Evening, brothers and sisters, please open your Bible with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. We will be looking at verse 1 and focusing on verse 1 of Psalm 23. It is the foundation of the psalm. And at the outset, I want to say this. As Christians, your chief business in life is to prepare for eternity. That is your chief business in life is to prepare for eternity. And Psalm 23, and in particular verse 1, helps us understand something crucial in the nature of God and how the sheep follow the shepherd. And so we're going to hone you on that verse tonight. By way of application, I'll be asking questions, questions which I've asked myself and questions which I'll ask us as a church and ask you individually that you should consider, which will be good for you to consider and good for your soul to consider. The first verse that we look at, very simple, it's been a verse of encouragement for many believers. Look at it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We'll look at two parts. The Lord is my shepherd. Two points. One point for the Lord is my shepherd and one point for the latter part of the verse. Firstly and foremost, we see in this verse that for us as sheep to follow the shepherd, we need to live lives that are redemptively significant. Lives that are redemptively significant. At the outset, we see that this is not a psalm that uh, when David is young in his life, scholars agree that there's a fullness of experience about it, a tone of a subdued and quiet confidence which speaks of a heart mellowed by years. In other words, this is a, a psalm later in David's life. Here, no doubt, David looks back at his own life and the nation of Israel, and he sees the shepherd's hand through it all. It's a redemptive confession. As to have the Lord as your shepherd, you need to first have him as the Lamb of God that takes away your sin. You cannot have the Lord as your shepherd. He is not your shepherd if he is not first the Lamb of God who has taken away your sin. You cannot have him here in Psalm 23 as the Lord, my shepherd, if you've not had him first in Psalm 22 where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You need to first be with God in Psalm 22 before you're with God in Psalm 23. But for the majority of us here tonight, we take it the Lord is our shepherd. We must maintain a redemptive confession and we must as a church maintain a clear gospel distinction. The verse expresses covenantal language. It shows us in parts of this verse both the transcendence and think of supremacy or majesty of God and his imminence, his nearness with his people. We have the Lord. The Lord is the transcendence of God, is my shepherd, the imminence of God, his nearness. David says the Lord, and that's Yahweh, which is defined as the existing one. It truly denotes God's otherness. His true nature is God who is above all and beyond all, who alone transcends space and time. In other words, he is holy. David starts off and he says the Lord, and the Hebrew word there is Yahweh, that's the Lord. The structure emphasizes the identity of the shepherd. David is not saying the Lord is my shepherd. He's saying the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. The emphasis is on the Lord. That's the emphasis. It's the same Lord which we become apathetic towards. David would not allow that. It's the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel. The one who Isaiah saw and said, holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord who's my shepherd. This transcendence is vital in the Christian life. We sing of it often. 
we sing songs like, Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? And who else can make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness trembles? Only a holy God. In other words, only a transcendent God. He is not like us. He is transcendent. He is that which is above and beyond. David is writing with a heart of worship, and we would do well to approach the psalm the same way. For, for length of time, we cannot go through the psalm. I find it sufficient that verse 1 will give us a good understanding. He says, the Lord, his transcendence, is my shepherd. And shepherd speaks of his personal caring imminence. Think of imminence, think of nearness. Jehovah is often spoken of as the shepherd of Israel and the shepherd of his flock. And so here in this verse, very quickly we look at it and we see covenant. The covenant-keeping God who uses his covenant-keeping name. The transcendence, the holy Jehovah, the Yahweh of his people and his imminence as the shepherd. Can you think, brothers and sisters, have you thought of this God that you must walk with? Have you thought of this covenant that you're in with God, this transcendent God? Have you considered that? In this verse, God reveals himself as the transcendent one who has to judge sin, who is holy and as such requires a debt of sin to be paid in full, but he also reveals his redemptive provision as the shepherd of his people. In a nutshell, we start to see the gospel here. It's the gospel message coming through. Here is where we see Christ the mediator, who being both the Son of God, the Lord, and the Son of Man, our shepherd. The transcendence of God and the imminence of God. His majesty and yet his nearness in Christ. David is pointing us to Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. He's pointing us to Christ. The patriarchs in Israel understood this transcendent and imminent nature of the Lord. When Jacob blessed Joseph in Genesis 48:15, he said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God that's transcendence, who has been my shepherd all the days of my life. The reality of the transcendent God being imminent, walking and going before Israel, was supposed to be their identity. It was the basis for their identity, really. This is what they were supposed to be, a people of redemptive significance. And this is what, is, this is what David has in mind. Redemptive significant people whose God walked with them. He was their privileged identity. What is your identity? What is your identity? In Exodus 33, 15, Moses said, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the people upon the face of the earth? That we would have men that prayed like that. If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Lord, if you do not go with me, I will not go. Men, that you would pray like that for your children and for your wives, that you would pray like that. But we see here, God distinguished them. God characterized them. And David's saying that he's characterized by the shepherd. What characterizes your life? You youngsters, what characterizes your life? 
your parents? What characterizes your home? What is identity to Christ worth to you? What is it worth to you? We are sheep. He's our shepherd. There is no greater reminder of eternity than our redemption in Christ. That's the gospel. And that's why we need to hear the gospel every day. David saw God in this psalm as his destination. Just as a sheep follows the shepherd, so David sees God as his daily and his final destination. In verse 6, he says, he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is, he'll be led by God to be led to God. God is his destination. And what is your destination? What is your daily destination? What are you teaching your children to seek? Are you seeking him? Are you seeking him? Do you find yourself seeking him? Lord, I want you. Lord, I need you. Lord, if you do not consume my life, it's you or I die. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. We should seek him. We should dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Christ, what a beautiful name. We think of, I want to say this here, Christian, heaven is not your destination. Please understand. And peace and rest are not your destination. Christ is your destination. He is our heaven. He is our rest. And he is our peace. And he is the most splendid beauty in all of heaven. Living a redemptively significant life means that Christ is your destination, not deliverance from hell but the worthiness of the Redeemer. As David says in the psalm, it's for his name's sake. It's for his name's sake. Another key feature that we pick up in this little few words here that we have is ownership and identity. Look at it again. He is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I am his sheep. He owns me. I follow him. This is the outcome and significance of our redemption. Redemption really speaks of ownership or possession. And the redemptive significant life of the sheep that follow the shepherd gains all its value in who the owner is. Your redemption gains all its value in who the owner is. Who's the owner? Who's the owner? Brother and sister, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where you gain your redemptive significance from. In John chapter 10 and verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's redemption. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know, know me. That's ownership. In verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And that is the most significant thing about your life is that you follow the shepherd. There is nothing more significant about your life. What more do you want? What more can be more significant than to follow the shepherd? Please tell me. That is what we celebrate, the Lord's table. If our redemptive significance or our identity gains all its value from Christ, then what sort of people ought we to be? 
The Lord our shepherd is full of eternal weight and glory because Christ our shepherd is eternally glorious. And this is what we see at the table tonight. Redemptive significance is expressed individually and corporately. Please see this. Look at it again. The Lord is my shepherd. We see my shepherd. This is a personal individual devotion from David and love for his God. It's not individualistic though. The Lord is my shepherd is not a solo psalm. No, David here confesses that he's part of a flock. The gathering of the saints, as it were. He sees himself in the light of Israel's redemptive history and as, and as a part of a people called out by God and called out for God. The one, but part of the many. Please understand this. The shepherd leads the flock. If you are not being part of the flock, then you're not being led by the shepherd. Christian, what will be the significance of your life? What will be the significance of your life? Will it be a redemptive significance? Living a redemptively significant life means that your life is only significant in the person and work of Christ. The Redeemer is the significant one. The Lord, our shepherd. Stop being so distracted. Stop being so distracted. He says in the second part of the verse, I shall not want. And there is much want this time of the year. There is much want. He says, I shall not want. Or maybe he's all I want, really. John Owen said, said that a sense of need is the springboard of desire. And what he meant by that is you have a sense of need. First, and then you desire something. So you desire food because you have a sense of need of your hunger. You desire sleep because you have a sense of need of your tiredness. If you don't have, if you don't have a desire for spiritual things, it's because you don't have any sense of need of it. If you don't have a desire for Christ, it's because you have not sensed any need of him. I shall not want... David says, I shall not want. I'm satisfied in him alone. We are redeemed and therefore separate. And separation creates dependence. Redemption creates separation and separation creates dependence. We are redeemed by him. We are separated for him and we are dependent upon him. And dependence is how you seek him. The degree to which you depend upon the Lord is the degree to which you seek him. Don't say you're seeking the Lord and you're not dependent upon Him. We see this here. We are to be people who are desperately dependent. People who are desperately dependent. That's how we follow the shepherd. Now David here, he points us to that good shepherd, that great shepherd, that chief shepherd. And now he points to how desperately dependent we are upon the shepherd. David is desperate for him. This psalm, and look at the psalm, it's, a, it's, a, it's an expression of desperation. He's desperate for his God, and he's desperately dependent upon him. The reference to having no want is a reference of sufficiency. He's saying that all his wants and needs are found in the shepherd. The shepherd is sufficient, 
and I am desperately dependent on him alone. One can also be translated lack, and so what David's really saying is he's pointing to the source of all his life. He's pointing to that source, which is everything to him. Too many people today, and many here as well, live their lives as if it were written, the Lord is my shepherd and I will have what I want. We need to view dependence redemptively. We need to view dependence redemptively. You knew when you got saved, it was by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That was the basis of your salvation. You were entirely dependent upon the person and work of Christ. What made you think you could walk with God any other way thereafter? Every moment of your life is by grace, through faith in Christ alone. You do not get saved that way and you carry on walking dependent upon the world. You just don't. I want to say something. I want you to hear me, please. The Lord only accepts what he gives. And the Lord has only given Christ. And he will only accept Christ. I shall not want, for it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I shall not want. No, David has showed us that redemptively, the shepherd is sufficient because he's the transcendent Jehovah of his people. But he is imminent in the person of Christ, which makes him the sole source of your every living moment. It's a gospel-centric life. I shall not want is a soul's cry of dependence. It's a statement of value and sufficiency in one who cannot, and cannot fail. David is saying this is his grace alone. Paul understood this as well when God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. David has been in many wars and lived close to death, and through it all he can say, I have no want. I have no want. Is Christ enough for you? I'm asking you, is Christ enough for you? Has the gospel satisfied you? Are you following the shepherd? Last year, September, I was called by my brother very early hours of the morning to tell me that someone I knew well and his brother-in-law had been shot and he didn't know if he was alive or if he was dead and he wanted me to come over urgently. And I got in the car and drove over there and I was pleading with the Lord, Lord, just keep him alive. I just want to give him the gospel. And my brother kept on phoning me and panicking, saying, Chad, I don't know if he's alive. I don't know if he's alive. And I shouted at my brother. I said, he needs to know the gospel. But my brother doesn't know Christ because he's an atheist. He had heard the gospel many times from me. And when I got there, I ran up to this young man. <clears throat> and I grabbed him. I picked him up. But he was dead. And what, what difference would it have made if he had all the money in the world? What difference would it have made how socially skillful he was? Youngsters, what difference would it have made for that young man? Tell me what he would have had that would have made the difference. No money, nothing. He needed the shepherd but he did not follow the shepherd. 
he did not, and awaited a terrifying expectation. Jesus said in John 15 verse 5, without me you can do nothing, and he meant it when he said it. And what an affront it is to God when you live your life any other way. God forbid. As we come to a close, we look at this we look at this psalm, and we see the lordship of the shepherd, and we see the craving of David after the shepherd. Notice what David's expectation is here. He says, he makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores my soul. He guides me. Your rod, your staff, you are, you prepare, you have anointed. He's burning for, for his God. And do you burn for God? Our God is a consuming fire, and if he takes up residence inside of you and he lays hold of you, he will consume you. Are you consumed with him? Are you? No. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, we can never be too consumed with Him. We can never be too dependent upon Him. Never. David's expectation is entirely from the shepherd. I think John Calvin understood this well when he said, I gave up all for Christ, and what have I found? Everything in Christ. As the psalmist said in Psalm 20, 73, 25, whom am I in heaven, whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. Can you say that, brother and sister? Can you say that? Can you say that? Lord, I have you. I desire nothing else. Your life will soon be over. Doesn't matter how young you are. You don't know if you have tomorrow. David understood this when he said, all the days of my life. He knows his days are numbered, and so are ours. The psalmist said, Behold, you have made my days of handbreadths, and my lifetime is nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. In Psalm 34. Are you following the shepherd? Are you living a redemptively significant life that is desperately dependent what more do you want? What more do you need? What else? You're, you are just one heartbeat away from eternity. Are you ready for eternity? Don't let the, don't let the world's distractions and that cold breeze of the world blow over and numb your heart to these things. Go home tonight and cry out for God. Lay hold of Him. Eternity belongs to those who live redemptively significant lives and are desperately dependent. We follow the shepherd here, and we'll be following him for all eternity. As Revelation 7 says, For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life. Let's pray. Lord, may it be according to your word as it has been written for Christ's sake. Amen.